Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waltman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to another edition of the Conservative Daily Podcast. My name is Max McGuire. Joe will be here shortly. Just waiting on him. Got a little stuck in traffic. He'll be here in a little bit. Happy Friday. We made it. It's the end of the week. Let me know in the comment section if you're doing anything exciting this weekend so I can live vicariously through your much more interesting lives. Big topic today. We were, we were originally planning just to keep this more looser, just, just to talk about different literal issues of the day. But there have been so many new attacks on police officers. There have been so many new attacks on police officers that we have to start talking about this. And there's the other side of it, too, of police officers being forced to enforce the left's different mandates, vaccine, passports and the like. So we're in, a, we're in a weird position of wanting to support police officers, right? Backing the blue, as it were. But we're also, at the same time, up against police officers who are the one enforcing these unconstitutional mandates and restrictions on our liberty. So it's a weird time. It, 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 there's no, it's, we don't just live in a black and white society. There are shades of gray to this, and I don't know. I mean, obviously, the solution is that the police stop enforcing these mechanisms. But this is getting really dangerous. It's getting really dangerous at a time when police officers shouldn't be forced to do this. They shouldn't be treated as scapegoats. And they should actually be given the tools they need to keep us safe from real threats, not from imagined threats such as an unvaccinated five-year-old eating inside of an Applebee's. So we're going to talk about all of that today as well. Um, we're going to have a guest on shortly, Joseph Imperatrice. He is the founder of Blue Lives Matter New York City. He's going to join us in a little bit to talk about this interesting dynamic. And then Joe will be here shortly. Going to remind everyone, if you're watching on Rumble, it's very important that you hit that plus sign. It's called the Rumble button. It's a little confusing, but if you hit that plus sign, that's like an upvote. And that helps us reach more people, helps more people see us organically. And Joe is finally here. Joe, welcome. I'm here. Hey, how you doing? This is a really important episode to me, Max, for a lot of reasons. Um, I have a friend of mine that is in um, that that works in a police department in a major metropolitan city. And he called me today, and he put something interesting in front of me. He goes, "Listen." Let me, let me run through a situation with you, Joe, that, that frankly I can't talk to anyone about. Tucker Carlson's not going to pick it up. Most of these guys out there aren't going to pick it up. But let me tell you how police officers around the country are seeing what is happening in our country. And he said, we had a meeting today, and they said, listen, the Black Lives Matter has said that they're going to have violent protests on the street. They're warning us ahead of time that they can't stop the violent protest and that they have been told by credible, res credible sources that people that are on the right are going to come out and stop them from being violent. 
and we just want you to protect us from those people. Now, this was on the, on the heels of what we're seeing happen. You have the police officer in New York City that was gunned down by some homicidal leftist maniac. You have the police officers being killed and, and, and ambushed across the nation by homicidal leftist radical maniacs. Like, that's actually happening. And he goes, so on one side are radical mayors and radical DAs and radical people in these positions of power and authority are saying, do nothing. By the way, they're going to come out and they're going to burn buildings and throw stuff at you, and they're going to get all of their frustrations out. So you have to tolerate that. And by the way, you have to protect these pieces of trash from people that, frankly, are trying to protect the police. So you have to beat back and you have to harm these people in order to protect these cowardly pieces of trash. You have to do that. Oh, and then, by the way, the same radical terrorists that are out there, the same radical terrorists that are out there that you have to protect, when you're done protecting them from good people in this country who want to stand up for accountability, when you're done doing that, we're going to make them target practice for the radical left. Because you're so bad. The police are so bad. So I changed the entire format of today. At 1 o'clock today, I've sent a text message out to everyone. I said, we're not going to have Open Line Friday. We're not going to have Open Line Friday. We're not going to talk about Open Line Friday. What we're going to talk about is how the police are used as a patsy for the radical left. And frankly, they're tired of it. They are completely so tired do have- of it. We do have Joseph Imperatrice on the phone. Um, he is the head of, of uh, Blue Lives Matter, isn't he? Out of New York City? In New York City. Yeah. Good so guy. we want to make sure Super we get him on guy. the phone. Joseph, welcome to the show. Oh, is he here? Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, Joseph, we've been talking me. a little bit about this. It, it, we live in very weird times where obviously police are the ones who are tasked with defending us, protecting us. If anything happens in our house, we're the ones who have to call them. But they're also now being used, weaponized in a way, by people on the left to further their own agenda, whether it be enforcing obviously illegal well, and unconstitutional mandates or defending violent leftist protesters in the street. Wanted to get your take on this because it's it, it, it's it's hard for me because I've always been super well, pro. Hold, hold on, hold on, Max. Hey, Joe. Yes. Joe, this is Joe. Did you did you get to hear what I just said about a friend of mine who is a police officer in a major metropolitan D, uh, uh, East Coast city? No, I didn't. No, they can't hear it on, on hold. So I'm going to quickly give you a, a synopsis of this. But my friend called me because he was in a meeting and he was told that the, the BLM Antifa were putting together this this protest that was going to turn violent. They were, they were warned ahead of time by these uh, protesters that it might get violent and that there were people that were going to stand up against BLM and Antifa and that they were charged by, uh, to uh, protect them from people that want them to basically go home and not be violent and that there was going to be a counter-protest. And at the same time, he, his feelings were is that he felt that on one side he's asked by very radical uh, leadership to... Uh, protect 
uh, people who are doing harm to the community. And on the other side, as soon as they're done protecting them, they then become target practice for these same people, these, these homicidal maniacs on the street. And it feels like they get to act with impunity. So he, is a, he has been a police officer for nearly 20 years. And that was the conversation I had today. And that's what, you know, based on all the things of the police officers and what they're dealing with and the fact that they're, they're, they're literally being targeted across the nation with impunity. And uh, so I don't know, maybe you can at least talk to that because the frustration boiled over for me today after talking to him. Um, and that's why we, we called you. Well, I think police officers nationwide want to go out there and do their job. You know, you sign up and it's cliche. Not only do they want to help, but they really want to make a difference in all these communities. When politics got involved in policing, the, the, the daily life of policing kind of went out the window. There's no reason whatsoever for any type of politics, whether on the right or on the left, um, to get involved in, in police work. You know, the, you, you enforce the law as is. Right. You go after the bad guys, you charge them as is. And district attorneys are supposed to keep the bad guys in jail as the penal law states. Well, for, for whatever reason, you know, everything's gone haywire uh, probably the last 10 years, if not more. And it's affecting the way officers go out there and do their jobs. And it's got to stop. There's no place for it. And because of it, people are getting hurt. You know, you used to think that it was the victims, right? You're trying to save the victims. Well, who's saving the police officers? You know, New York City, we had to bury one officer today. We're going to be doing another one next week. When does it stop? When do we stop with the nonsense and get back to this is the way it is. We're doing it for this reason. End of story. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't want to ever say but, and I agree with you. And, frankly, I grew up in Washington, D.C., and uh, – you know, it it uh, it was it was pretty tough. I mean, the police had a tough road to to run, and um, so we ran <laughs> as kids. It was a, it was a different world back in the '80s and '90s. But uh, uh, my respect for the police and what they had to do grew immensely over the last 25 years, just knowing what they have to go through. And I just think that the the, the politics of poisoning what police officers have done for decades has kind of led up to what we're dealing with today. It, it's almost as if they've justified um, using police officers for target practice. It's almost like they justified it. And now it's become this deal where those lives just don't seem to matter. Well, I think everyone agrees with you, you know, and, and in 16 years, I've been on for 16 years and so much has changed. And I don't want to sound cliche, but when you first got on, you were able to go out there and, and you were taught how to be a police officer. Well, over the last few years, you're not really taught to be a police officer. You're taught to use your mouth in every single situation and to back down and not go out there and do the job that you signed up to do. And that's been the downfall. You know, I've said it recently. I really do blame the training and tactics sessions all over the nation because as they're making their police department softer, the criminals are getting more violent. They're not doing community policing. They're not slowing down. If anything, they're ramping up. And it has to stop every single day, whether you hear it in the news or not. Some police officers are either getting hurt or killed. There's no place for it. 
You know, and then they wonder why. Well, why do police officers use deadly physical force? Why did the situation go bad? Because the people in the street are getting so brazen, and they're the ones initiating the deadly physical force. They're the ones not listening to the commands of the officer. They're the ones that think that they can go to whatever neighborhood and not have any repercussions because the government and all these legislative officials tell the criminals that they could basically do whatever they want and get away with it. And it has to stop. And if it doesn't stop, we're going to continue to see what's going on. Yeah, but we, we use those words, it has to stop, Joe. We, we use those words as, as, it, as it has to stop. And I think, that, I think that there's stronger consequences need to prevail in this area. And, I, and I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you right now that we're, we're in a war with people that have no conscience. They, they, they don't have a conscience. So they're, they're attacking police officers with impunity. And, you know, I, I, what's the solution? You know, where does the solution start? Does it start with actually holding people accountable and making sure that the DAs keep these violent predators in prison? Does it, does it, does it start with, you know, reforming the prison system so that they're not treated badly in prison? I don't know, but, I, but, I, but I'm searching for an answer. I'm searching for an answer right now and how we stop these people from using this violent rhetoric and, and propaganda in order to uh, push people to a place where they feel like it's acceptable. Well, there's definitely got to be a minimum mandatory sentencing, right? We hear all these stories that people that are out on bail or whatever the case may be had prior charges and rap sheets. It can't be that way. If you get caught with a gun, for instance, let's say three years, no questions asked. You get caught with a gun for a second time, seven or ten years. Third time, you throw them in jail and lock away the key. We also have to talk about the idea of possibly taking away qualified immunity from judges and district attorneys. You want to talk about taking away from cops. Imagine if a judge or a district attorney had to worry about being sued for the beautiful life they had for letting a bad guy out of jail and killing or maiming somebody. I think that would start changing the way the justice system is used also. I don't think they would let people out in the street as often as they do if they had to worry about being sued and having their livelihood taken away. Rules are for thee and not for me. And what you're saying is absolutely true. I believe that most of the problems that we have in our country are caused by bad DAs and bad judges because bad DAs, police officers have an obligation to bring the, the evidence to the DAs and say, here, here it is. Do with it what you need to do, right? And, and prosecute this case. But you have DAs that, and judges that are, that are literally letting people off and in some cases going the other direction too and doing bad things to people that they shouldn't do. But I think that if you take away the immunity, much like the uh, pharmaceutical companies, which we think we should take that away as well, you, you would see their actions change because consequences become a real threat to their way of life. Joseph, I want to ask you a little bit of a difficult question. So in 2020, big Black Lives Matter protests, and you guys in the in, in NYP, in NYPD weren't getting the support you needed, obviously from the the mayor's office the, the people were being arrested for looting for for hitting assaulting cops and getting released the next day to go back out on the street and rampage you guys weren't getting the support you deserved the law wasn't being prosecuted faithfully and what you saw was a wide widespread support among the american people for you guys but also we saw a lot of new york city police officers take early retirement and resign because they didn't want to be part of it if they didn't feel like they had the support that they deserved. I love that. And, and, and I, I think that every single one of those cops that resigned early, that retired early, 
um, that was probably exactly what they need to do. I have a hard time now, though, just two years later, when we see viral videos, I know you've seen them, of a mother and her five-year-old son getting dragged out of an Applebee's because the five-year-old isn't vaccinated. I know that you just mentioned that police officers are charged with enforcing the law, but it's also up to police officers not to enforce laws that are on their face unconstitutional and inherently unjust. And I know that if you talk to those officers, they say they don't have a choice, they're just doing their job. My question to you is if police officers in record number were willing to retire in the face of what they saw was obvious injustice in 2020, why haven't we seen a similar effect in 2022 with police officers being asked to do the unthinkable? I think police officers, they, we got to get past this part that officers can't speak up and can't speak out about what they believe. And I really do believe in 2022, if officers are going to adjust and, and they should to, to the changing of time for the community, I think we should do that with policing and start allowing cops to come out and say what they believe and what they agree or disagree with. Because I think that's how we could change the police department for the better. Instead of just going and, and making officers do some things and then using it and saying it's part of their job description. You know, I, I don't think any police officer wants to really go out there and harass anybody for trying to, trying to they are. I guess, have a normal life. You know, and, and it they sucks are. that they have to go in that situation. I, it, it has happened. You're 100% right. But I don't believe that the officers genuinely want to do it. And it puts them in a bad spot because not every person is in the situation to just get up and say, I want to retire early. Some people may be but divorced. The Some people have, may have five kids. Yeah, you know? I get that. That's, it's, that's I, I wouldn't necessarily that. I, I wouldn't say it's heroism. I wouldn't say it's heroism to you know do something like that. Unfortunately, they're put in bad situations. And I think there's more that the public yeah. doesn't see that there are there are officers trying to change things behind the scenes. You know, I just don't think everyone is always going to hear that. I watched a video from a Panera Bread where it looked like an entire precinct was out there to take one guy so he couldn't get his muffin or whatever bread he ordered. I mean, we were counting them. We showed the video on the podcast. There was over a dozen. It looked like an entire precinct. Just all went to kick this one guy out of Panera. I love the NYPD. I grew up in New Jersey, so I've spent tons of time in New York City. I, I bleed blue, right? It, we, what we're seeing here of them enforcing these unconstitutional edicts, I hate saying it, but it, and I hate making these comparisons because I, I feel like you lose the argument the minute you bring it up, but it, it harkens back to an age from these, the 1930s, 1940s in Germany when people were instructed to enforce obviously terrible laws and they did it anyway. Now, I'm not saying that NYPD officers are Nazis, but I know that that was an argument that you heard during Nuremberg when they would ask different Nazi officers, Nazi soldiers, well, why did you do this? You knew this was wrong. And they said, well, I had a family to feed. I needed to put food on the table. At some point, I know that there's no solution for this, but at some point we need the men in blue, the most heroic among us, to stand up for what's right, not just to take the easy path. And I know that you can't fix that, it just gets very frustrating on our side when we have supported the blue for so very long without fail to now see them being weaponized against people who are just exercising the most basic rights, the right to eat a piece of bread, the right to go out to dinner. It's very troubling. 
I, I understand that, and I, you know, I can't speak on behalf of the police department or other departments, but at the same time, the people that support us, they also know the situation is probably going to turn bad. And not only are they putting themselves in that situation, which is a bad one, but also the officers. And where where the law comes into hand, it's, the officers technically are just going there to try to resolve a dispute, right? Somebody's trying to show a card, and it's up to the owner whether or not they're going to follow it, whatever the case may be. That doesn't mean the officer agrees or disagrees with it. But then when that person refuses to leave, now it's not just about the card anymore. Now it's about the trespassing. And it might sound dumb, but it is what it is, and that's the way the law is. Yeah. When you start mouthing off to the cop and put them in the bad situation and start arguing back, we understand as police officers the frustration. But it's a bad situation that officers get dragged into that I can promise you they definitely do not want to deal with either. Yeah, but, but there's another, I, the, I Joe, there's the another. Joe, there's another thing that we should talk about, and I, we didn't bring you on here to be to put you on the defensive. Yeah. We brought you on here to have a discussion about this, but you can see propaganda. You know, I, I worked in the Middle East and Africa for well, six and a half can years. I, can I ask one quick follow-up? Just one quick follow-up? We have that one bill from, from State Senator Perry. I know you've probably heard of it, Joseph, of talking about potentially putting people in camps if they are not vaccinated, if they violate different elements of the mandates. Do you think the NYPD would be willing to take the stand I'm talking about if they were instructed to start putting people into these into these quarantine camps? Once again, I can't speak on behalf of the department. You'd have to base your uh, your questions would you want, in regards would, to that. Would you want them to? I don't think there there comes a point of humanity where a human being is going to step up when something's wrong and, and it's going to do what's right. Um you know, I, I don't believe anyone's going to go out there and force something so, that's going to put somebody in harm's way, especially so, being a police officer. So when does that point when does that point hit, Joe? When, when do we get to a place where we where we start standing up for morality rather than paychecks? And I think that uh, I actually was I, I was saying before Max actually went and talked about this specific in specifics, but I worked in the Middle East and Africa. I've seen this before. I've seen how this plays out. You know, they, they demonize both sides. They do a quick division. They make you actually have a fight with your conscience, which is what we have right now. We have, I backed the blue on one side, and the other side was like they're walking a nine-year-old out in handcuffs for not having a vaccine card that, that, that pushes true to, and, and you can start to see where then it gives the radical, and, and you say it's not about politics. I will tell you, no, it's not. I think that 90%, 95% of this country is aligned with life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. We just want to have a good life, take care of our children, have them have opportunity, right? I'm an East Coast boy, and I'll tell you, I, I don't – that's what I wanted. I wanted for my family to, to, to have a good life. But you, you see this play out where the, the people that are, that are putting their life on the line, they're doing the things that are necessary are now demonized, and there's justifiable demonization happening, not just on the radical left anymore, but on people that have backed the blue. They're like, you know what? They didn't take care of that nine-year-old. Why should I take care of them? It's a scary thing to be up against, Joe. And I think it's just, it's, 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 forcing, it's forcing the people in blue to get off the fence, to make a decision on, on societally, what, what do they stand for? Do they stand for the rule of law or do they stand for this imperialistic type of environment that's, that's kind of consumed them? Oh, I, I really do believe that it, it goes deeper to that. I think the Republican and conservative party need to step up their game. You know, we've let the Democrat Party run and think that there is nothing else other than one party rule. We have to get candidates and we have to put money behind them that genuinely give a damn about their communities and are willing to make a change. And yes, 
fight for what's better, fight for people's rights. And that's what we've slumped on. You know, we took a back seat and every time it was, ah, we're not going to fight. Ah, we're just going to stay quiet. Ah, we're just going to let it happen. But now a lot of the, the questions that you're asking are because a party got soft. They need to get younger. They need to get energized. They need to put, they, they, they need to start working today for candidates five years from now, four years from now. They don't do that. Unlike the Democrat Party that's already surging pretty much like, like a, a minor league bowl team years in advance, that's what the Republican and conservative party need to do to bring back common sense, get real stuff done, and make sure police departments are just like our military. They should be strong. They should, they should be feared and respected at the same time, and they should be able to get things done. And until the Republican and conservative party step up to the game, step up to the plate, and are willing to swing the bat, they're going to stand there and watch strike three go by them every single time. I love the idea of of having a well a well stocked a well armed well um, equipped police force. Joseph, I, I I know you can't speak for the police department. I get that. I feel like I just asked a very straightforward question of would the NYPD go along with any hypothetical order to put people into concentration camps? Which it seems like it's crazy, but there is a bill in the New York legislature that would create these camps. And I feel like I got a non-answer, and I get it that you can't speak for the, the agency, but the libertarian part of me is terrified of giving, giving uh, police departments new weaponry, new armored vehicles, if we can't even get a very basic, I mean, I, I looked it, I searched for it. I didn't see the police union come out against this bill. It seems like that would be a very easy thing for the union to do, say, no, we do not support the idea of putting New Yorkers into concentration camps if they get sick. That's 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 a speed bump we're ha- going to have to get over because a lot of now, the, conservatives the, I've still nervous about this. I'm sorry, the, the question I have is a person trying to put through this bill, what party are they from? He's a Democrat. Exactly. So where does it go back to? He's a, Getting yeah. people that are going to kick them out of seat put a Republican or conservative in that spot so that we don't have to worry about it until we get strong. And until we're able to defeat these people that are literally out of their minds, putting these bills forward, we're going to keep on dealing with the same nonsense. You know, New York city, what do I hear all the time, right? Eight to one Democrat. Don't even go to the polls. You're never going to win. The city's long gone. No, that's nonsense. That's eight to one. If every single person went out there and voted with those exact numbers in front of you, that's not the case. You know, people have to get off their butts. They got to stop being keyboard warriors and talking about, you know, all this nonsense and putting more negativity. Because if Republicans and conservatives actually got off their butts and went to the polls, they would beat out all these Democrat numbers and go out the window. But because they don't, we're dealing with this craziness. Now, I think a lot of people, even, even some moderate Democrats, wake up and say, what is going on? But they're afraid to go against their party. We have to get people out there and energized to get these nuts out of office. And until that happens, everyone across the board and even more professions are going to be stuck doing things or being forced to retire, resign, or lose their jobs because of these, these off-the-wall policies. It's possible to get fixed, but it's going to take work. What makes me nervous is I, I agree with everything you're saying. What makes me nervous is every other, every other year that I've been alive, if, if you ask me, would New York City police officers ever obey an order to put an innocent person into a concentration camp? I would say the answer would be no. I get nervous because no one seems to be 
needs to <laughs> seems to be going up against this. Whether it's dragging people out of the Applebee's, dragging people out of the movie theater, we've seen significant violations of people's most basic fundamental rights. And I, I get it, police are, <laughs> are are just doing their jobs. I just I, I don't like that this is in the back of my mind. And I know you can't Joe, you can't assuage those concerns. Joe, did you just say that you trust the election system? I just want to be really clear. Did you I, I first of all I, I definitely did not say that. But I definitely believe that if we came out if we came out in numbers yeah. I really do believe that there's no way. There's, listen, there comes a point when it's overwhelming, where, where even if someone is trying to skew the truth, there is no way in heck, you know, there comes that a point that you can even touch those Joe. numbers. Joe, that was called 2020, brother. Yeah. <laughs> 81 yeah. million no, votes for a guy that's a dribbling idiot. That, we know he cheated. We know they cheated. And by the way, you're on the show of the guy that brought up Dominion Voting Systems. Nobody was even talking about Dominion before me. Ah, and I gave up my job as the CEO of a tech company. I was a two-time Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, and I did so gladly. Walked away from <laughs> I've, I've lost tens of millions of dollars as a result of that decision, and I don't regret any of it. I don't regret any of it, and I just wish, and this, this is what I'm telling you, Joe. I support the blue 100%, and I need to tell you something else. Are you there? I'm here. My brother was murdered by a police officer in 2017. It was a bad officer. And yet I still back the blue. It, it was a terrible ordeal for my family, but I still back the blue. And I just want the blue to start backing us. I want the blue to start standing up and actually making hard decisions. And if we have to go fund me, for 2,000 or 5,000 or 20,000 officers, we'll find a way. You know, Jesus turned five loaves of bread and five fish into enough food to feed 5,000 people. I just feel like as people, we have to start standing together. And I'm sick and tired of watching police officers become the target on both sides. It just, it just isn't fair. I'm very, very, very sorry for the loss of your brother because no matter what the situation may be, any life loss is always a tragedy. And you just nailed it. You know, you, you said it yourself, and I hope everyone that's listening, we have to start working together to fix the problems we know are wrong and make tomorrow better than today because if we sit idle and we do not do it, it's going to continue to get worse. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Well, I mean, it... Uh it's hard. It's hard to step out. And the bad part is, is it's like dancing. Like you go to a party and the, the music starts playing, the dance floor is empty. It's always the first guy to step out. You're like, who's stupid enough to step out there first? And then you judge how he dances on whether or not you're going to stand out and <laughs> step out next to him. Because if he dances like a fool, you're like, I can dance better than him. So this is good. And all of a sudden, the dance floor starts to fill up. You know, the, the, being a police officer is like a, it's a brotherhood. And that brotherhood needs to figure out a way. And my friend said this, 20 years. And frankly, uh, he's been there longer than 20 years. I'm, I'm aging myself, but he's been there 32 years. He won't retire because he wants to be able to teach the young guys that they need to have respect and they need to have courage in dealing with superiors and telling them what people need. But if it wasn't for him 
I remember years ago when he took me on my first ride along when I thought police officers were bad because I grew up in D.C. I grew up poor. I grew up in an environment that does not typically, my dad's black, my mom's white, my whole family's interracial. I grew up in an environment where you typically would not have the ability to have perspective. And I remember him taking me out. And I remember the first person on that drive ride along that night that I watched taking his last breath, dying on the street. I had seen plenty of death up to that, but I'd never seen the police do so much to save a man they didn't even know. And so I just, I want to get back to that. I want to get back to the place where we can start creating humanity inside of our community and making police officers stand up together so that they're standing up saying, we know what's right. We don't care what the union says. We care about what we say. And this is not lawful. This is not good for our community. This is not, this is not ethical. And finding a way to stand together, because if we all stand up together, there's not a whole lot that can do to us. That's all. I agree, and I think the number one issue that everyone has, no matter if you're black or white or what God you believe in or anything in between, everyone deserves to feel safe, safe in their communities, safe when the officers actually show up to do their jobs, that they're not worried, you know, safe when they lay their head on their pillow at nighttime. I really, truly believe that everyone both wants that and everyone deserves it. And we need to get back to that. We need to give the confidence back to the people in the street knowing that the individuals running these police departments are going to do the right thing by the people they serve. And just like I said earlier, whether it's legislation or law enforcement, politics has no business whatsoever in this job. It's destroying it. And when you allow officers and district attorneys and judges to enforce the law as written, fairly, properly, and impartially, that's when the world will be a better place. And when we get back to that point, that's when everyone can breathe a little easier. Well, I agree with you. It's true. Yeah. Joseph, I, kn I know you have to run, but if I can, I want to get your reaction to this because this is just breaking in the last day. If we put up my screen, Mr. Producer, I know you know this story, but everyone in our, in our audience might not. A 16-year-old rapper and gang member who goes by the name of C. Blue is charged with shooting a New York Police Department cop. He was already on probation for gun possession, and he just walked free on bond, and got a record deal after spending just nine days in juvenile detention. He shot a cop. He was already on probation for gun possession, and now he is out on bond, and he gets a record deal from it. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to this, and, and if, if you want to, say what you feel to the judge that let this happen. Well, this goes to show how broken the system is. The way I see it, if an individual, no matter what age they are, is willing to shoot a police officer, you know that he or she is a police officer. It's an depraved indifference for human life. That individual is going to go to the person in the street that's a grandmother or a grandfather or a father or a child and take their life. This cannot happen. In law enforcement, what police officers are seeing day in and day out is the people that are involved in, in gun possessions are people that have been in possession of a firearm before. You know, just because you allow somebody out, I believe it was $250,000 bail, right? Just because you're hanging that over their head, if they want to get involved and get their hands on the legal firearm, they're going to do it. Just because he or she is out doesn't mean he's not going to harm or menace another society. So this is a prime example of why judges need to have the discretion and not deal with bail reform and these bail reform laws that especially came out in New York, in, in Albany, 
They have to know when somebody is a menace to society and be able to say, we're not letting this person out. There's no amount of money in the world that is worth putting this person back on the street. You know, we cannot hear these activists saying, well, in the time period, because someone's rich or poor, they were able to do A, B, or C. That's not the point. The point is, is hundreds of years ago, people were smarter than us, knowing that if you built jails, you put bad guys in it and took them out of the equation of a safe street, that society would be better off. Now, yes, they need to be humane, 100%. They need to adapt to the times, but they cannot go back on the streets to harm or kill somebody else. New York City had an 11-month baby shot in the face a week and a half ago. When a child of any age is involved in gun violence, things need to get done. Things need to change drastically. There is no place in society for violence. There's no place for a 16-year-old in this case to hold a gun either. So we have to figure out how do we keep them behind bars? We have to stop worrying about the feelings of the criminals and worry about the feelings of the victims. But, but Joe, they, they made it law-abiding gun owners' problem. And as you're seeing in London and other places across the world, you, they want to make it about the gun, not about the person. They want to disarm our populace while arming criminals. And it doesn't matter what the criminal's tool is. They're going to find a knife. We've seen it. They don't attack the problem. They, they, they attack the tool because then they can weaken the rest of society. It, it drives me crazy because we never solve the problem. We just service a symptom as we let drugs become legal and petty crimes become something that is tolerable. It's almost impossible to navigate because where is the slippery slope? Hmm. Well, Joseph, You're I want to thank correct. you so much. I want to thank you so much for somebody. I know you have to run. Joseph Imperatrice, the founder of Blue Lives Matter in New York City. Thank you so much for stopping by and, and have a great evening Joe, and the rest of your weekend. Joe, I will reach out to you and thank you in person after this after the show. But thank you very much. God bless you. Stay safe. And uh, we're, we're always in your corner. Thank you, guys. And one thing, stay positive. I promise you change is coming. Change yeah. is definitely coming. God yeah, bless. Will. God bless you. This podcast sponsored by Airmake Care Network, the premier insurance plan to cover you and your loved ones. Should any of you suffer a medical emergency and need to be airlifted to a hospital, it's not something we get to control. When you, when this needs to happen, you don't get to choose how you get there. And a lot of people need to get airlifted, even if they live in the suburbs or in the cities. And it's very expensive to get airlifted to a hospital, tens of thousands of dollars, and that's pre-Bidenflation money. So here's the deal. Airmake Care Network exists to make sure you don't go bankrupt should someone in your family need to be airlifted. It costs just $85, that's one year for your entire household, less if you're a senior citizen, less if you buy three or five years at a time, and you're covered. You won't pay one cent for an air medical transportation flight as long as you're flown by an AMCM provider, and don't worry, they fly over 100,000 patients a year. And as a bonus, as one of our listeners, when you sign up using the link in our description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily, and then you use promo code daily, you got to make sure you use that, you're going to get up to $50 back in the form of a gift card. It's free money. So again, go to airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to, up, to get up to $50 back. You know, I, I changed, Max. I changed what we were going to talk about today. We we're going to have Open Line Friday, and I was so disturbed by all the stuff. Mr. Producer, do we have somebody else that's holding to come on? We don't. We were going to have a widow of a police officer come on. And, and, uh, you know, I brought up some pretty personal stuff in this. 
there's friction in my heart. Max, you were there. Yeah. You were there when I had to bury my brother. Yeah. And I remember that I had lived a life. Like I, I grew up a certain way. We, we used to say 5050, We'd run from them. We'd have a party. It was the police were not our friend growing up. We were taught that. More importantly, we saw that. You want to get punched in the head and gut? You want to take a beating or you want to go to jail? Those are your choices. And sometimes you run into a good police officer, gave you a little card when you were a little kid. It was a football card or a baseball card. But the reality of it is, is that we learned not to trust the police. Snitches get stitches. I can go down a list of things that we were taught. And yet, as I got older, I started to have a paradigm crash. And I talk about paradigm crashes a lot because I think it's important that we look at those things. We look at the things that drive us to a place where we make definitive decisions in our life on what we trust and don't trust, what we tolerate, what we don't tolerate. Well, that paradigm crash re-crashed again in 2017. And I remember going through this process and asking, Max, you actually applied for me for a open records request. Yeah, yeah, uh, the Virginia equivalent of a FOIA. And my brother's dead. Yeah. And they said to you, now we can't give you any they information. Because there's an active investigation. Active investigation. So we re-requested mm -hmm. that 12 months later. The police officer, excuse me, the, the lawyers did it after we started suing people. And they said, oh, there's, there's an active investigation. We still can't do anything. And we said again, my brother's dead. What's the investigation on? I even asked them for the five minutes of footage before they even saw your brother. So just whatever, whatever they decided was the cutoff, this is when the interaction started. I asked for the five minutes of, of dash cam footage before that. They wouldn't give it yeah. to me. So that's an why? open investigation. Do you well, know it can't why be an open investigation to your brother. Because they hadn't encountered him yet. Right. So who were they investigating? Not My sure. brother worked for Saw me the at the cops. time. He was a good guy. He, he was a guy that everybody loved. There was two and a half miles of, of motorcycles, and he rode motorcycles. And for those of you who don't know, he was killed on a motorcycle. And so my distrust for the police reinvigorated itself. Because the more I got down to it, they're like, oh, we didn't do anything to your brother. Now, he crashed on that motorcycle on his own. There was only one problem, though. There was paint from a police car on the side of his bike. And they hid all the information. And so we went and I remember the day that I did this, and I, I talk about this because it's, it's incredibly painful. And, I, and two weeks ago, I got to go see my brother's gravesite, And I had, hadn't visited it in two years. And... Uh, so I called up my little brother and I said, hey, listen, do you want to meet me out? Uh, and we'll go, we'll go say hi to, to our brother. And uh, I figured I was going with this. I, I, you know, I, I, got, I got into the, the details of, of getting the information of my brother. And, and uh, so I had this reawakening of, of hatred. And you're talking about the distrust. Yeah, I had a massive amount of distrust. I've had right. I've had a uh, paradigm shift. I mean, it came through. I, I I feel kind of bad for asking those tough questions, but I don't feel like anyone's asked anyone involved with the NYPD these very obvious questions, right? Like we've covered the people getting dragged out of Applebee's, dragged out of Panera, dragged out of Burger King, 
we've covered the bill that has a long shot chance, but still would create concentration camps. No one's asked anyone related to the NYPD, what the hell are you doing? Like, Joe, we spent a whole week digesting footage from Georgia of that. I forget, I forget the, the name of the, of the, uh, the suspect, but the cop shot him after he was fired upon with a taser. And we went through in slow motion and dissected the law and said, no, the cop's just doing his job. I don't feel like anyone in the police department in New New York, anyone in the NYPD is doing the equivalent for people just trying to get a Big Mac or just trying to get a Whopper or just trying to get a bagel or just trying to sit down and have some pizza with their five-year-old. I don't, I don't see anyone within the NYPD saying, you know what, just, just let, let it go. We didn't see this happy birthday. Please don't do it again. I don't see that. I see them throwing the book at kids power and, and it's disturbing. It's disturbing. Because I, I I have a hard time saying, yeah, back the blue when the blue is being employed in a, in a despotic way. And I'm waiting, as I asked him, I'm waiting for the, the surge of resignations from them saying, I will not, I will not violate the constitutional rights of my neighbors. I don't see it happening. I saw them resign when they felt like they were under attack and rightfully so. I haven't seen them resign when they realize that their neighbors are under attack. And that pisses me off. And obviously there's lots of things in it. People have different, different life paths. They have different requirements. Some people need the money. I get that, but we haven't seen any of them. You, you know, I, um, I was just searching for it because, uh, and I, and I just found it and, and I want to, this, this is hard for me to say, and, and you know, I, I feel like I'm being really vulnerable right now and telling you guys about my life in a way that that I'm not sure I want to. <laughs> uh, but I was provided with the uh, the bands on the police frequency on the moments letting up to my brother's death down to the minute that my brother died down to the minute and so we've examined all of the mp3 related to this and this is all the the police and the you know the the interactions and who was involved and it wasn't until we got to the very end of it that the police admitted at the end because they lied the union came in and just protected them and lied they lied they chased a guy on a motorcycle, and should my brother have run? No, he shouldn't have. Should they have knocked my brother off a motorcycle at 90 miles an hour? No, they shouldn't have. Should he have lost his life for what they say was eluding? No. Is that justifiable that, hey, he shouldn't have been do something stupid, play stupid games, get stupid prizes? I would say maybe. Until I started to figure out that the reason why they were pulling him over was because they wanted to mess with him, because that's what police officers do at midnight. And I've often said that nothing good happens after midnight. Um, but I, but the hatred in my heart built. And so I got pulled over, I don't know, a year and a half ago. <laughs> it was crazy. I've always been respectful. I've done well. I was a tech CEO. I live in a nice neighborhood. The police in my neighborhood are amazing. And there's a reason why I'm telling you this. 
I mean, it's, it's not because I feel bad for myself. It's not because, you know, I want you to feel bad for me. I don't want you to feel bad for me. I've never been a victim. I've never walked out and said, you know, they're really mean to me. <laughs> go Google me. If you want to know how mean they are to me, go Google me. It's really, it's really great. They haven't figured out my weight yet, which is really good. But other than that, <laughs> everything else is out there. But I, I, I didn't, the, the amount of anger that I feel, that's why I wanted to do this show. Is I, wanted, I wanted Joe to come on here. I wanted a widow to come on here and say, listen, that's an individual person. But the, the anger, the, the, just the, the stuff that I felt when this police officer pulled me over, and he's like, you blew through that stop sign. And I was like, no, I didn't. And I knew I didn't. He goes, well, you were on your cell phone. I was like, no, I wasn't. And he goes, I need your license registration. I was like, I'm not giving you shit. I actually said it. I didn't blow a stop sign. That's that screwed up. And I don't know why I did it, but because I had seen so many videos, I started tape recording it. I was recording it from from jump. I don't get pulled over very often. I was like, bloop, bloop. And I was just letting him talk. And by the time he said that, he said, step out of the car. I was like, I'm not stepping out of the car either. Why don't you get your supervisor here? Because you're a liar. I was angry. I was fiery. And I was like, man, I'm going to burn cash and I'm going to make sure this guy pays. Because I was angry. I could have just said, you know what, just write me a ticket. It's okay. No, I didn't run through a stop sign. The good part is, is I was in my Tesla and my Tesla records around you. So I just pushed the little button to record and go back in time to record. So it, it and it's got like eight cameras. Um, and, uh, so it recorded, and don't judge me for throwing a Tesla. I said to myself a long time ago that when a Tesla came out, when the P100D, the Model X, came out, I wanted to have it. I had worked my life. I, that's the thing that I wanted. I wanted a Tesla. I used to have a sign on my car that said, my next car will be a Tesla. Right? You can get mad at me all you want, but the thing is freaking fast. Right? But I had just left the, I had literally just left the, I just left, like just, just left the, the gun store. And he said, I ran a stop sign. I was like, ah, I didn't do it. But so I pushed the button to record it. And the, the, the officer, the other officer came up and I go, and I said to the officer that came up, his other thing, he goes, well, you know, you need to give me your license registration. I said, no, no, sir, I'll give it to you. And I gave it to him willingly. And the other guy was shocked. And he goes, well, why wouldn't you give it to him? I go, because he's a liar. And he goes, what are you talking about? I go, I didn't run a stop sign. And by the way, I pushed that little that button right there. It goes back five minutes, picks up everything that happened previous to this. And I've been recording it the entire time. And he said that you ran a stop sign. I said, I did not. That is a lie. And then he said that, that I was on my cell phone. I was like, I was not. And I was like, you can check my phone. I was not on my phone. And uh, he goes, so this thing records? I said, yeah, see that little red button right there? Yeah, so that records, and it basically took everything that I, I basically, there's a, there's a feature on it where you can go back in time. And I think at that point, it was like 12 or 15 minutes, you could set it up. So I said, I went back in time, and I, I recorded this. And I go, by the time I'm done with that cop, he will not have a career because I will not stop. And when I'm done doing this $50 ticket, I'll spend $50,000, and I will literally fry that kid because that guy is arresting people that he shouldn't be arresting. And I was so angry. He's like, you know, he's just young. I was like, no, he's a piece of trash. He's what's wrong. He's the, he's the one that makes people like me hate him, hate you. 
And he goes, sir, have a nice day. Handed back my stuff. I go, click. I turned my thing off, got back. He, no, but no ticket was written. And you could see him talking to that officer like, what are you doing? Lying about people is not how you get you, you win people over and influence people or, or make friends. You just don't do it that way. And so that led me down to this, this paradigm crash for my brother to another place. The reason why I'm telling you that is because I, I see the notes. I see the things people are saying. F the police. I mean, Max just said it. They're just I'd men. I'd say F the police. They're just women. No, you didn't say it. But you said, look, how do you arrest a 10-year-old or a 9-year-old? How do you do it? Like, stand up for something. Just say, hey, listen, don't do it again. Why are you calling me in here for this trash? This is garbage. Right? Let him order a sandwich and leave. Just tell him he has to have the sandwich and leave when he has the sandwich. Instead, you force us to arrest someone that's just trying to get a sandwich? What kind of garbage is oh, yeah. that? You're setting us up for failure. It gives me no pleasure to even the same sentence compare the NYPD to the Waffen SS. It, it gives me no pleasure, right, to SS guards in concentration camps. I, I, I hate that that's even yeah. possible to do in this day and age. But when you hear, oh, they, they have families, they're just following orders. I'm sorry. That harkens back to every time people have used the I'm just following orders excuse because they did the bidding of tyrants and despots, not just the Nazis. Every time a tyrant has, has abused their power, violated their people's rights, they've had their police force doing their will. And I just, I just hope that the NYPD would be above it. I hope all police officers are above it. But I hope that the NYPD would be above it, given how much the very people that they are arresting in these restaurants have supported them over the years. Well, I mean, we, we hope so, right? We hope so. I'm running out. Of, I'm running out of hope. Yeah. So hope is not regard. a strategy, right? Hope is not a strategy. And well, I don't live in New York. I don't live in New York. <laughs> so yeah. I can't, I can't so, affect it. So, but it's not New York. It's L.A. It's D.C. They lack. They 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 lose humanity. I don't live there either. <laughs> and and I think that a large part of this is police officers lose humanity when they have to deal with people who are inhumane. Right? They treat people with indifference. Yeah. They become a number. They become just a digit. And it's because over time they run into the worst of our society. Police officers as a whole, they're not there to pr protect you and me. They're there yeah. to figure out all the bad people that have done bad things to a lot of other people. A lot of other people. But nothing actually shook me to the core than when they said, yeah, you caught us. Here's some money. And I was like, I don't want money. I want, I want that guy. Max, I remember when I called you on this. And I was like, those MFers offered me X dollars. And I was like, I don't want money. And they're like, well, well, what do you want? And they looked confused. And I go, I want that police officer to go to jail for the rest of his life. That's what I want. I want him to pay a consequence. Oh, he can't do that. Oh, but you will. You will. I believe the vengeance is best served cold. And vengeance is not mine. I will tell you right now, it's not mine. Whether it happens in this life or the next, it will happen. But they couldn't understand why I didn't want to just take money. Like this life has just come to money. And another thing that they said to me is they said, we never in a million years thought that he had a brother like you. I mean, imagine that. Imagine, imagine that feeling. I just told you about my entire family. 
I've told you over time, if you've watched me over time, imagine somebody saying to you that they never imagined that he had a brother like you. <laughs> I, and it's not funny. I'm so angry at my, but all I got is, all I have is laughter. And all I have is a dead brother. And so I tell Joe and I'll tell other police officers, at the end of the day, truth matters. What we do matters. You know, it's the one thing about Eric Coomer, as I, as I think back in all the stuff that I've done research on him, I feel like I know the guy as well as you could know a human being. And there's lots of stuff out there about him from friends and people that I've interviewed and things like that, is that he lost his younger sister at a very young age, tragically. And I look at that and I go, I know how it affected my life, and it could have spun out of control. And I look at, did it spin him out of control? Did it spin his family out of control? Losing his sister at a young age. Because it can change you, change you forever. It can make you a very, very bitter man. It took, it took a shaking to the core to get me to shake out of it. But it definitely did a lot to me. So there you go. That's well, it. We I think we're out, we're out of time. time. <laughs> I definitely want to show. I want to show you something. I know you've had a very busy day. I don't know if you've seen this. I know you're yes. an Apple product user. You love your iPhone. Oh I don't no! Know if you saw this, the you pregnant. Producer, put no, you're not. Screen. You're not going to yep. scoop me on this. Put it on my screen. Put it on my screen. I <laughs> you're not your screaming. Screen. This is this garbage. Is, you saw that. You saw this on my Telegram. Admit it. No, I um, did not. I took a picture of it. <laughs> this is. No, I took a picture of it. The emoji of the pregnant man. Or as I said on my telegram earlier, I just ate a big burrito and I need to take a dump. That's what I'll use this this emoji as. But apparently, it's the pregnant man emoji. And just in case you don't use um, iPhone, there is an Android version as well. This guy has a mustache. You see this, Joe? This pregnant is absurd. Man it's not a emoji. just so you, just so everybody knows. We're gonna make these two hashtags really really important. One. Hashtag beer belly. <laughs> that's that's, that's, beer belly that's burrito man. belly. That's beer burrito. belly. No, that's beer belly. Have you ever seen the guy uh, that drinks burrito. lots of beer and he looks out there and he's got this belly that looks like like someone just yeah. superimposed yeah. like a yeah. half a jelly bean on him or something? That's what it is. It's beer belly man. Hashtag beer yeah. belly man. Apple is just trash. Well, I'm, I'm, well, I, I literally sure told... It. It's Android too. It's Android too. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out. They also have the pregnant person. So they have a pregnant woman, a pregnant man, and a pregnant person who's androgynous. You can't tell what he is. Yeah, I know what it is. It is these pieces of trash need to be taken out to the gallows. That's what it is. All right, we're out of time. Yeah. I'm so glad we're out of time because I was going to go on a rant about about weird people who love Satan because that's what they are. All right, we're out of time. So if you like this podcast, subscribe to us at Rumble. Follow us on Conservative Daily on Telegram. Gab, get on Gab and get her. I got suspended again on Facebook for calling out that piece of trash Secretary of State who's absolutely a piece of trash in Colorado. Um, so you can follow us there as well, at Joe Oatman, at Max J. McGuire on Telegram. But follow us on all these other channels too. They're kind of fun. And you can follow me on Instagram if you want. I'm still on Instagram. I haven't been kicked off there yet. I guess pictures are harder to kick you off for. I don't know what it is, Mr. Producer, but I think I haven't been kicked off there yet. I don't know. They're going after memes, so who knows? Yeah. So I'm on Parlor. 
This is a good place. Max, you're on Parlor. I like Parlor. I haven't I haven't logged into Parlor. I really like Gab. In a long time. I like Gab. I like Parlor. I like all these different places. And I'm really gonna like Truth Social when it starts. Um, so you can find us at conservative-daily.com, Rumble, DLive, Twitch, Frank Speech, and CloudHub. You can find us on the audio version at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Audible. Uh, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. Um, share this episode with someone that needs to hear the message. This is kind of a different message because we're talking about supporting a back in the blue while we're seeing the weaponization and radicalization of, uh, of uh, the radical left of the police department to protect the radical left. Because frankly, if the police were step out of the equation, we would wipe the streets with the, these pieces of trash. We would yeah. literally just yeah. make them want to stay home because we, we, would, we, would, we would throw them on their necks so badly that they would wake up and go, this is not worth it. They paid me $100 to come out here. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do this anymore. So, um, and then the fact that they get then target practice for the radical left as well. And I know Joe didn't want to take a political stand on it. I respect that. But that's really what's happening. Um, if you need a reminder, when we go live, you can text the word freedom to 89517 and sign up for our text word system. Okay, guys, listen. You ready for this? I, I, have, a, I have an offer for you for, um, and you have, to, you have to go to my telegram tomorrow, but I will have a code for you for Bearded Man Coffee that will get you 10% off. Bearded man. Bearded man. And I do want to thank all of you that have actually called them and emailed them and done the things that you've done. We will have a discount code that will save you 10%. Um, and we'll have a special subscription where you'll be able to get it renewed that starts in just a week. Pretty crazy stuff. If you go on the Internet and look up Bearded Man Coffee, they have a great reputation out there. And uh, I think you'll really like them. So beardedmancoffee.com. Uh, use the link in our description as well to subscribe to our newsletter so you can get our facts blasted so you don't miss any of the important projects we're working on, such as the membership. We should have that done here shortly. I feel like I say this over and over again. We have a lot of technology we're working on for payment processing and, and event deals and creating uh, stuff that we can launch and market. I'm kind of a stickler for making sure it's done right, so just follow us there if you can. That's it for this episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I am your host, Joe Oltman. I'm Max McGuire. Remember, everyone, and, the fight to what? take no, back no, no, this country. No, 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 I got it. No, no, no. The fight oh, to take back this it. country. The fight to take back this country is is not over. But yet. the only way we win, yet, but the only way we win is if we all stand up, get yeah. in the gap, and fight together. Close enough.